up, party people? You are on Fan the Flame podcast. I'm Scott Tilly, the host. You are you. And tonight, we're going to get into some more Q&A. I had another question come to me uh, via messenger from a buddy of mine, Matt. He wants to know my thoughts on Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. This is Jesus calming the storm, and this is one eyewitness account. There's two more in two other Gospels. Um, in the Gospel of Luke and then the and in the, the Gospel of Mark, and so we have at least three eyewitness accounts of understanding this specific scripture, and this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible as well. And I think I probably say that every time I either preach the, the Word of God, teach the Word of God, do a podcast on a specific verse or or story or parable, and so I think that's just the Bible at large. That's why we're able to indulge in it so much and keep feeding off of it because it is alive, it is active, it is good meat. And it is good for our souls. It is soul food for our weary souls. So tonight, I am thankful that you are tuning in. Uh, Again, thank you for the support. Thank you for sharing and liking and viewing um, the podcast or listening to it wherever you're at. Uh, The YouTube videos are coming in a little, a few days delayed, but I'm trying to work on that right now. So just hang with me. Keep listening to the podcast on anywhere podcasts are available. That is where you will find Fan the Flame. And I am much appreciative of you and uh, your support, and I couldn't do it without you. So thank you. Uh, Without further ado, we're going to jump into this tonight. I do want to ask that you would pray with me before we get started, because I want God glorified. I want Jesus seen. I want Holy Spirit known in this hour. So Father, I come to you as humbly as I know how, and I thank you for the goodness. I thank you for the pleasure. I thank you for the persistence that you have toward your creation, God. I thank you that you put us in right standing with you by your blood, and that the wrath of God is not turned toward us in anger, but that the wrath of God was poured out in the cross at Calvary Hill onto you so that we can have right standing with the Father. And we can bask in his presence. We can sit in his glory. We can be a part of who he is uh, because you have given us that commission with you to commission with you in the Holy Spirit to preach and teach the gospel to every nation and every tribe and every tongue. And we're thankful tonight, God, I pray that your wisdom be with me, your understanding be on the hearts of myself and those listening, and um, that we have open ears and open eyes to see and open ears to hear what it is that you want to talk about tonight. And I'm thankful for Brother Matt, who brought this question to my attention about this awesome story that you have portrayed in your word, in your love letter to your creation. And so tonight, God, let Holy Spirit lead and guide us, protect us, keep us safe, And remind us that you are continually working on our hearts. And we're thankful, Jesus. We owe you all praise and all glory. Amen, amen, amen. All right, so let's just jump right into it, guys. So this is from Matthew chapter 8, verse starting in verse 23. And we're going to go through verse 27. I think I said 28 earlier, but if not, we'll go through verse 27. And we'll read it, and then we'll go over it together. So... This says this, when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him, and suddenly a violent storm rose around the sea, so that the boat was being covered by the waves, but Jesus was sleeping, and the disciples went and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us, we are going to die. He said to them, why are you afraid, you men of little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was at once a great and wonderful calm, a perfect peacefulness. 
The men wondered in amazement, saying, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? There's so much wrapped around those, what, 20, 23, four verses. So that is Matthew's eyewitness account. Then we have uh, Mark and we have Luke. And I don't think that we would be doing any justice if we didn't look at all three in this episode and in this teaching tonight. Because how many of you know that your story of how you met Jesus looks different than somebody else's and their story looks different than somebody else's? Your pastor's story may look different than the people that you hang out with every day, but you have a story to tell about your personal experience with Jesus and the world needs to know. They need to understand that the gospel is still alive today and it's still active in this world, in this lost and broken world. And that's how this world gets saved is through you preaching the gospel to people. Okay, Jesus doesn't walk with us in the flesh like he did when these disciples had him. But he said, I'm going to leave you something better. He left us the Holy Spirit. So we have not just the um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not just the uh, opportunity, but also like this this fulfillment in what God has called us to do to believe that what we say matters and what we say, the words that we speak means something because if we've chosen Jesus as our savior, we have the power that we have the power to build people up, to encourage them and to call out, um, call out what's wrong with the world today so that people may repent and they, they may turn to him and, and reserve, uh, reserve their place in heaven. So I want to talk about this story. Now, I think it's imperative that we, that we note like what happens before all this is going on. Jesus actually sends these men across to the other side of the lake, right? It says in, so let's just look at what it says in Mark, okay? 35 says, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. So he's saying, let's go to the other side of the lake, right? Now, look at this. It says, and other little boats were also with them, or excuse me, with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boats, so that there, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, "Teacher, are you not going to care that we're dying? Do you not care that we're perishing?" Then he arose and rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, "Peace, be still." And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, it says, and said to him and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the waves obey him? Okay, that's Mark's. Now let's run over to Luke's real quick. I want to get these in before we start to really look at this and, and dissect it. So it says in 22 of chapter 8 of Luke, that was Mark, this is Luke, it says, Now it happened on a certain day that he got into the boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. But as they sailed, he fell asleep, and a windstorm arose and came down on the lake, and they were filled with water and were, excuse me, and, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and he rebuked the wind and the raging of the water and they ceased and there was calm. But he said to them, where's your faith? And they were afraid and marveled saying to the one another, who can this be for he commands even the winds and the water and they 
obey him. Well, hallelujah, that God still commands the winds and the waves in our, in our life to be still. And when Jesus speaks, things happen. When Jesus speaks, things are abrupt sometimes. When he speaks, things aren't the same as they were 20 seconds ago. So I want you to note that with this story. And I want you to go into this perspective of understanding this from this, from this look. It's that Jesus Christ at any given moment can calm the seas and the storms in your life. Okay. And it doesn't mean that he, along with that, it does not mean that he is not with you in those winds and in those storms. It says that he was with them in the boat when this happened. When the boat was literally filling up with water, Jesus was with them. And probably the most important thing that you can take away from these scriptures is that we all need to nap because Jesus Christ took naps. It shows his human, it shows his human physicality when he gets tired and he needs to take a nap. And sometimes we just need a nap in life because there's winds and waves and storms coming at us that we need to be able to deal with. And we can't do that when we're tired and when we're drawn out. So even Jesus napped. So we should nap as well. Write that down and underline it three times. We need naps. Okay. Understanding that I, I love I love the humanity of God. I love that he wrapped himself in human flesh, came to earth so that we could figure out, not just figure out, but so that we can know that he has already had, he already has it figured out so that we can walk beside him, no matter what the winds and waves do, no matter how bad the winds are in our lives, no matter how bad, you know, our life may seem right now that we have this refuge in Christ Jesus, that sometimes we need to speak to the winds and the waves in our own life and say, in the name of Jesus, be still. Because God's never called us to be in chaotic um, motives or, or move out of chaoticness. I don't know if that's a word, but, or move out of chaos. Like he calls us to be able to walk and talk and act and breathe with, with smoothness, with, with gentleness, with meekness, with kindness, with self-control, all these things that he gives us in his spirit. And so even when the winds and waves are beating, that's why I believe that he had to say, why do you have no faith? I think that in this moment, Jesus full well knew with him in the boat, with him on their side, that they had the authority to exercise the power of Christ and speak to the winds and the waves themselves and say, peace, be still. I believe that's why he was cranky when they woke him up from his nap. It's like, you could have taken care of this on your own. Why are you waking me up from my nap? You have full authority to do what I've done. You have full authority to speak to the winds and the waves and make them calm down in my name. And so to cry, I want you to look at this, okay? Because Jesus is also physical as well as spiritual, amen? He came down in physical form as a, as a form of a child. So this is in the Sea of Galilee, and it's this lake is like eight miles wide, okay? I need you to see this, okay? And it's unique. It's a, it's a unique geographically placed lake because the, the, uh, the, cult, is that a culture? the, um, the climate can change at any time. Like it can get super cold at night and it can get super warm during the day. So it, it gives us, uh, I'm not a weather man, but like when you have a cold climate and, and, a, and a hot climate and they, and they combine together, you have like a storm that arises, right? We live in Kansas. So we see that a lot when the cool from the North meets the warm of the South and you have what is called the perfect, not the perfect storm, but you have a storm like capabilities. And so that's what this place is kind of like. It's, situ it's, uh, excuse me, it's situated 700, um, this is what I thought was crazy. It's situated 700 feet below sea level and is surrounded by mountains, okay? That, um, 
where I lost my place here. So it's it's 700 feet below sea level, and it's three to four thousand feet above sea level on the west, north, and the east. Um, so it's it's situated 700 feet below sea level and is surrounded by mountains that rise. Excuse me, the mountains rise three to four thousand feet above sea level to the west, to the north, and to the east. And these conditions prevail around the lake surface. So, like today, they're even growing bananas there. Okay, um, it's it's kind of like a tropical climate. So the higher elevations can produce chilling air at night, right? Warm air from the day, and then you have what you have. You have the uh, the conditions for a storm to arise. So at any given time, this isn't like the weatherman can't predict like what's going to happen. And this is what happens in our lives. I believe that this is such an such an understanding of today. <clears throat> excuse me, that at any given time, things can arise in our lives. Storms can arise in our life. But I think the, the understanding needs to be met that Jesus Christ is with us when those storms arise. He's not checked out just because he was taking a nap doesn't mean he wasn't with them. He was physically, literally with them in the boat when this thing happened. He already they already attested to these miracles that he had done before this. They already saw him cast out demons before this. Okay. There's so many other things that have happened to this point that they should not have second guessed that he was capable. And even they now being in his presence were capable of doing what he's called them to do. He gives the parables at this time. There's 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 just a greater understanding of who he is at this time. And they still don't know who they are in the company of. OK, so. There's back to the storms for a minute that there can be a situation in your life. You can be going perfectly along the seas in your life can be smooth sailing and there'd be no problem. Then all of a sudden, boom, something happens. Okay. You lose your job. You come down with an ailment, you get sick. One of your kids is acting funky, whatever the case may be, these things happen in life. And we have to know where to turn. This is the one thing that the disciples did that was right. They, they knew where to turn, even in their unfaithfulness, they still turn to Jesus that you, this is living proof that even in your unfaithfulness, you're living unfaithful you can still turn to Jesus at any given moment, and he's going to do what Jesus does, right? So the so I want you to see, like, the mention of Jesus being asleep on a pillow, okay, on this boat is living proof, okay, that he was human. He was, he this was his true humanity in this moment. He's fully God, fully man, but he's fully human in this moment. He still needs food. He still needs rest, just like we do, okay? And so I think that so many times we read the scriptures, we read the Bible, and we we think of Jesus as just some some far some far off person that we can't identify with that we that we have no reason of understanding, and that's just not true. He walked and talked with human beings. Okay, he he walked with humans. Okay, humans killed him. Okay, and humans witnessed his resurrection. So. He has been showcasing himself. God has been giving such uh, understanding of himself through humanity forever. And so we need to understand that, that even though we're going through something, and even though that we may read the Bible sometimes like it's far off, we need to understand that this book is as real and as it's alive as you want it to be, as you desire it to be. Now, there will be people in your life that have put this thing on a shelf and said, yeah, I read it. It's good enough for me. It's an okay book, but it's not really my cup of tea. Well, I would attest that those people, A, don't have the Holy Spirit at all, because every time I open the Bible, I'm ready for him to reveal something to me. I don't come, 
I don't come opening the Bible expecting to not have an encounter with Jesus. I don't come opening the Bible expecting to just read through it. And well, yep, good enough for today. I marked my checklist of doing my devotion. Like I want to know, and I, those are the prayers that I pray to God, God, before I even open this, I trust and I believe that you're going to reveal something to me before I even get into your word. I trust and believe that you're there and that you're going to reveal something to me through your spirit. And I don't think that that's, I think that we should understand that God desire. I don't know if you desire, but he, he likes bold prayers. Okay. <laughs> He's not obligated to, 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 to answer, you know, it says to come to him in the throne room of grace boldly. So we should come to him boldly. Um, and so let's just read on with a little bit of this. So just understanding that, that even Jesus being asleep on the pillow kind of attests to his humanity in this, in this story. And, and I love when he commands this. I love when he commands the winds and the waves to be still, because then you see the full authority of God in the moment. When the winds and the waves are crashing, there's water coming on the boat. It says it's filling the boat. The disciples are going crazy and they're lit. They're, okay, so at this point, they're doubting again, right? Do you not even care that we're going to die? I bet they're probably angry. They got, I mean, he's sleeping on the boat. There's a storm arise in their life and a literal storm. And it's taken on, and the water, and the water is taken on the boat, and they're sinking, and they're looking at this man whom they've been with, the, who they've seen him do miracles and and give parables and understanding of his love toward them, and they're like, "Are you not going to do anything? You're going to sit there while we die?" And he wakes up and he rebukes the wind and the waves. He says, "Peace, be still." And understanding that his full and complete deity is with them in that moment. You ever seen that in your own life where you have? You just feel like you're dying, like the world is taking you down and there's nothing you can do about it. Then all of a sudden, God shows up on scene and shows up. This just happened today to uh, another brother of mine. You know, we were talking, we were talking on the phone about some wants and needs in life. And then the next thing I know, I prayed about it. I gave it to God and I said, hey, Lord, I, you know, I really would ask that you'd help my buddy in this. Like he, he needs you right now. He needs a miracle. Literally two hours later. He texts me back and says something to the effect of always his timing, bro. We're all good over here. Don't worry about it. And I was like, wow, that was quick. I've seen him do it quicker than that. I've seen God show up in the midst of a second and do amazing things that I can yet um, not that I that I can't yet uh, fully explain. So Jesus can do that. And he's still doing that today. And this is the testing miracle that Jesus wants to do in our lives today to wake us up, maybe, and say, peace, be still. I got you. I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. You have me for life. I'm not going anywhere. I'm right here. And that's what he's attesting to these men. And I think that that was kind of some of his frustration. Like, after all that you've seen, you still don't know who I am. After all that you've seen, the powers, the miraculous, the the, 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 the defining the mustard size seed of faith, literally a chapter before, like you still don't see it. Like I'm asking to have this much faith. And so that's what God requires us from us is faith guys. And not a whole bunch of faith, a mustard size seed of faith can move a mountain. Okay. And I've seen that mustard size seed of faith in many people move many mountains and it's beautiful. I've seen it in my own life. And so we get to see his humanity. We get to see him rebuke the winds and the waves in his full and complete deity. And, and only God himself could calm the winds and the waves and the storms in our lives. Like we cannot do that on our own. We can read 2,000 help, self-help books 
and still not fully understand what God is capable of doing in a single moment. Amen. So I want you to look at um, something here. We're, we're going to flip over to, to Luke for just a moment because there's just, there's just so much here. And uh, understanding that this windstorm, the calming of this wind is the first of four miracles in uh, verses 22 through 56. Okay, and you can go back and read some of those other ones um, if you want to. But this one is specifically, it, it's, it's placing emphasis on the power that Jesus has. Okay, the power that he has in his, humani- in his human nature to take a nap um, and his understanding that these men are still human. And it's a teachable moment for him to tell them like, hey, you have little faith. Why do you doubt? It's the same thing with Peter, uh, you know, when he starts to sink, it's where's your faith? Doubting will quench, like it'll squelch your faith. If you're doubting, you can guarantee you that your faith is lacking somewhere. So anywhere in our lives that we're, we have doubts, we need to check our faith and ask God to increase our faith in those areas in our life. And sometimes these winds and these waves, they build faith. That's what they're sent for. Jesus knew the winds and the waves were there. He's God. He sailed them right into a storm because he knew that there was going to be a teachable moment. And I believe this. I believe that he trusted them to take care of that while he was sleeping. Like, why do you doubt? You have full authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and not be bitten. Like you can speak to these things in your life by my power, not by your own might or your own strength, but by my power and see these mountains moved in your life. And so it's understanding that without Christ, we are absolutely nothing. With Christ, we have absolutely everything that we need. And he was with them in the boat. So they had everything that they need. And so with, you know, just a few words, he calms the winds and he calms the sea. He has authority over variety of things like nature, demons, disease, and death. Jesus Christ, all these things that I just mentioned, he cast out demons, which if you don't understand the casting out of demons this day and age, I highly recommend that you start to study on that. Because I said this four years ago uh, when I was preaching and was it, it was before we left Buckland, I, I believe, I, I have to go back and see if I can find it. But I said that we're going to see a day where the casting out of demons is going to be regular. Like it's just going to be on, like on the regular day agenda. There's going to you're going to see people doing it in places like in open places and in supermarkets. And, and then <clears throat> as this year goes by, I'm watching these uh, these the video that uh, dropped come out in Jesus name. I think it was um, Pastor Greg Locke and a few others. Uh, and I'm watching these. Uh, these videos of these people actually in movie theaters getting demons cast out of them. So if you're not familiar with that and that's too weird for you, then just go talk to somebody who's already doing it and and try to at least learn because you're going to need to understand spiritual warfare in this hour. Like you're just going to need to. And this right here is an understanding of faith. It's understanding of deeper faith. It's understanding that we are rooted in Christ Jesus and he gives us access to heavenly things. And so why would we have access to heavenly things if he did not challenge us to use the tools in the tool belt that he's given us to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover, to lay hands on blind eyes and watch them open. If he didn't give us the understanding of these things, why, you know, why are they in the Bible? That's one thing I don't, I've never got, like, why are we still reading these things in scripture if they're not applying or applicable to today? It's pointless, you know? Um, so that's just kind of, I'll get off my soapbox now so we can finish brother Matt's questions with, uh, with the the calming of the, of the sea. And so 
there's a clear contrast um, of understanding like who God is in this moment and what he can do still today. Okay. And so he calms the sea and, he, and, and, and going back to understanding that he is king and he is, he is redeemer of all things. He is king over disease. He's king over death. He's king over demons. He's king over this world. He's king over your life. He's king over your marriage. He's king over your kids. He's king over your health. Jesus Christ is king. And I think that we need to understand that as as believers, that he is king over every situation. He is king over the sea, the raging sea in our lives. He is king over the winds and the waves. He's king over the very boat that they're on. He is king over everything. And at that beautiful name, at that king, at that king's name, one day every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And so he is who he says he is. Okay, so they ceased. These winds and these waves, they ceased. Okay, and at Jesus's word, all the chaos of the storm stopped. What is it in your life right now that you need to speak the name of Jesus over? What storm in your life is raging right now that you need to say, peace, be still in Jesus name? I guarantee you there's at least one. I've got probably 50 that I need to speak the name of Jesus to. You know, we sing the songs. I speak the name of Jesus over you. We sing the songs. But we need to understand the word that we're speaking carries weight. It's powerful. The word of God is powerful. When we speak the name of Jesus into every situation, everywhere we go, we are going to triumph in every single storm that he is with us, that he sees us, and that in those storms, he will see us through every single time. At just a few words, all the chaos of the storm stopped. He has such control over nature and is attributed to God in the Old Testament. Go read Psalm 104.3, 135.7, and Nahum 1.4. Go read all three of those and then tell me how God is in control of everything. I love how he asked the question after he does this. He doesn't beat him down with it before. Like, where's your faith? Like he, he calms the wind. He calms the storm. He calms the sea. Now they're sitting on probably like the waves are glass at this point. And now he asks him the question, where is your faith? It's a loaded question. I believe that that question is still prophetically being spoken to us today. Where is your faith? In that doctor's report that you just got, where is your faith? In that negative or that that red, that red number that you read every day in your bank account, where is your faith? Where is your faith to give so that that may increase? You know, now that I'm on the topic of it just for a moment, I'm telling you right now, if you're faithful to tithe to God, you will see increase in your finances. Malachi 3.10, only place in scripture where it tells us to test God, to test him with your finances. I'm telling you right now, I can attest to this because I've been a witness to it in my own life. When I give, God doubles, he triples, he gives back, he gives opportunity to go make more. I'm telling you, I've seen it too many times to believe different. If you're not giving and you're sitting in a place right now of little ye of little faith in your finances, I challenge you to start giving what you can. Get Give what you can. And then start giving more and then start giving more and then start giving more. Because guess what? As you give more, he'll increase more. As you give more, 
God will take care of you. Like he will take care of you because this is the thing. The money is his anyways. Every single bit of it is his anyways. And I'm not going to spend too much time on that because I want to get back to Matt's question. But I just, that's, that's been apparent in my life so many times, man. When I'm faithful to tithe, you know, we are definitely taken care of. That's for sure. And so the wind ceased and Jesus asked the question, this, this was, it was a rebuke. I mean, it was a rebuke to his disciples because God was aware of their situation, right? This could be Jesus's welcomed rebuke on our behalf. Like, God, I welcome your rebuke when I'm looking at things differently. When I can't see things through heaven's lens, I need you to rebuke me. I need you to change my course of direction on how I see things. I need you to refocus my eyes on you and not the situation. Because what they had was the solution to their answer was literally taking a nap they probably should have been taking a nap. If Jesus is taking a nap, that must mean everything is in order and everything is okay. No matter what's going on around me, I still have this understanding of faith that he is with me. He is not going to leave me. He's not going to forsake me. And no matter what my situation looks like, no matter what my storm looks like, he is right here with me. I think that we can take very seriously the nature that Christ was displaying in that moment when he's napping, when there's literally a boat filling with water. I think that we can take that seriously and we can ask God to allow us to have that kind of faith in our life, that no matter what's going on, we can just take a nap. No matter what's happening in our life, we can rest in him and rest beside him. Rest with him and rest beside him in this moment. God was aware of their situation. They could trust in his protection. He is powerful enough to control the mighty winds and the waves. Who can this be? This is the question that comes out of their mouths. Who can this be? Even the winds and the waves obey him. That's a loaded question. Who can this be? The real question of Jesus' entire Galilean ministry the beginning of which during his ministry were designed to raise this question of his identity. His whole ministry, he's, they have been a witness to at this point, and they're just now raising this question, who can this be? I think that there might have been a moment right there where all the things that they had witnessed like were, were a movie reel in their head. All the things that they had seen him do to this point was a movie reel. And then this point came where he literally spoke to nature itself to speak to the wind and say, be still. And the wind comes to a crashing halt and is, and is still in his presence. And they ponder this question in their brains and their hearts. Who could this be? Who is this man? Who is this man that we have spent time with, that we have ate with, that we have supped with, that we have dined with? Who is this. They obey him. The closest, I'm going to read this, the closest precedent to Jesus's power over nature was the miracles of the prophet Elijah. And they heard about him. The disciples already sensed that Jesus was more than a prophet. And I, and I love how that speaks so boldly to how we can sometimes categorize Jesus into one single attribute of God. Fam, he's not just healer, he's comforter. Okay, 
He's not just miracle worker. He is salvation. He's everything that we couldn't be and more. And if we dilute Jesus to this one single thing of our own experience, we've missed the gospel entirely. I've seen this. I've seen people dilute the gospel, and it's not that they're not preaching about the miraculous, that they're not preaching about salvation, but that they've left parts out because they have yet to experience it. They had yet, the disciples had yet to experience Jesus in this such way where he spoke to the wind and said, be still. It was nothing short of a miracle. And here's what I want to say in kind of wrapping this thing up. Please do not wait till you need a miracle to believe in one. They're in the book. They're in the book. At this moment, these disciples hadn't come to the realization that he, that Jesus, was more than just a prophet. Who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him? And so I ask you the question, what storm, again, I ask you this question, what storm in your life is arising right now? What storm are you attaining to that is bigger than Jesus? I don't know what it is. I don't know if you're going through cancer. I don't know if your kids are acting crazy and they're the prodigal sons and daughters and you're just praying that they would come home. I don't know if your marriage is on the rocks. I don't know if you got a bad doctor's report. I don't know if your finances are in the gutter. I don't know what it is, but I ask you this question. Is this the same Jesus in this story that you pray to every night? Or is this just some Jesus that you hope may be real and that you hope might show up for you the way that he showed up for the disciples when he rebuked the winds and the waves in their lives? Who is he to you? That question, who is this that the winds and the waves obey? That's a loaded question. I think that we need to ask that question within ourselves. Who is this? Who is this man named Jesus? Who is he? Who is he in my life? Who is he to me? Who is he? And who am I? Who am I that he would be mindful of me? Who am I that Jesus Christ, the one who rebuked the winds and the waves, the one that who died for my salvation, the one that cast out demons, performed many miracles, who is this Jesus? Is this the Jesus that I know? I hope so. I hope so because we can't dilute the gospel. The, dilute, the dilution of the gospel, the diluting of the gospel will dilute our comprehension of who he really is. And I'll end with this. I've said this multiple times from behind the pulpit, multiple times from different platforms. When people ask me, because this has been asked to me a multitude of times, Scott, who's Jesus to you? And this is my answer. I could not sum him up in one sermon, one series, or one lifetime. Amen. Y'all be blessed tonight. I hope this um, answered your question, Matt. Thank you, guys. Keep the questions coming. You're on Fan the Flame podcast. If you haven't yet, please go rate, review, subscribe, write me an email. Let's chat. I love you all very much. Have an amazing time today, tonight, whatever time it may be when you view this. Love you all.